Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio recorded live at Arrival Orlando 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. In this first-time session at Arrival, we feature presentations from a handful of innovative new technology tools that could change the way you do business. Then, four veteran operators and investors evaluate each presentation live on stage and ask key questions to help determine if these tools could be a part of your tomorrow. I don't know, they they look pretty shark-like to me. What do we think? Well, should we bring out our first innovator? Absolutely. Um, So we'd like to bring out our first innovator, Michael Weiss, the co-founder of ByteMojo. Hi. Wow. The last time I've spoken in front of so many people was in my bar mitzvah. And even there, I spoke about food. Good morning. People travel the world for many one reason, and that word is experience. We believe that the best way to experience this experience is simply by eating it, by embracing great local food as the window to the hearts and souls of places. And luckily, we're not alone. Whether it's the WTO who announced that food and local cuisine are the third main reason people visiting a place, OTAs like that your guide that disclose that culinary experiences are among the 10 most sought-after experiences or other venues and media. Wherever you look, the bottom line is the same. Food tourism is booming, and it's right at your doorstep. So in many ways, it's yours to lose should you decide not to embrace it, make it part of your own business. So the thing with new opportunities is that therein lies new challenges. And with food culinary experiences, you can name probably main three. One, budget, second, flexibility, and the third is personalization. By the nature of the experience, which includes food, definitely budget is a, fa- is a key factor, which means it's not tangible to a lot of audiences. Flexibility means that you as travelers, because you depend on a host or a guide, have to adopt yourself to other ones' schedule, to a minimum number of participants, and so on. And personalization means that in a world, in 2020, if I'm gluten intolerant, doesn't want to eat non-kosher, doesn't want alcohol, or doesn't have sugar in my dietary, I probably cannot take any of these tours. And this is exactly the point where technology prevails. So we have developed the first app in the world that allows you a self-guided, meaningful city discovery through food. So yes, I guess you say, yes, we heard about a lot of apps. But I think what made us really distinguished from the competition is the fact that we went all the way from providing just information and recommendation to provide you this, the best bites in the world. 
the local dishes that makes destinations what they are, and they're all inclusive in our itineraries. So when you book a Byte Mojo experience, you can leave your wallet at home because this is the food you're going to get from hundreds and thousands of sellers from many different kinds that we are working with to provide you this experience. Now, although it's a B2C eventually, everyone has to take the app and work in his hands. From day one, we are B2B-centric, which means we find our technology a completing element, not a competing element with actually the entire industry, with you people in a way that we provide the technology and create together greater experiences. So basically, what we're offering are buy tools. To our perspective, the best possible way to travel. And why is that? Because buy tools include four elements. Hand-picked itineraries, great food from three to six dishes, great content, and gamification. And when you put all these four together, crazy things happen. You're starting to see people walking in the street and doing things that regular tourists do not do. And you also see one of the most meaningful reasons we travel, the interaction with the local people, the DNA that is being exchanged in these scenarios. So I want to bring a bit of realization into what I just said and give you some numbers. And definitely as two operators, you understand numbers, operation, the relationship between the two. So by the end of this year, we will cater 30,000 customers that equals to 800 buses that we cater. We have worked and are working from small groups and up till 1,000 people a day with only one person on ground. I know that sounds imaginary. And we've been able to solve 180,000 bytes, which are not bits, but real-life engagement between travel and locals. We couldn't do it, done it without you, without working with you, with the industry. So whether you are a tour operator, a walking tour, day two, or even a food tool company, think about all the leads that you're leaving on the sales floor because you cannot convert them. Price, availability, uh, different uh, reasons. Think about taking these leads and turning them into a digital product that you can sell from tomorrow morning. If you're a bike tool company, if you're a sightseeing company, think about creating an exciting line of products such as bike and bike tour, or bus and bike tour. So it really doesn't matter who you are, tour operator, you travel organizer, pleasure organizer, even hostels, observation decks, my message is clear. Tell me who you are, and I will tell you how we can work together. Eventually, it's not just about doing great experiences and great content. Eventually, it's about making money. And definitely, you as tour operators are very sensitive to this element. So I guess the question by now is whether this self-guided experiences through food or not can really generate revenues. And for this $1 million question, I have a million-dollar answer. This is the revenues that we, together with our partners, have generated since we launched ByteMojo less than three years ago, from zero to $1 million. So it's not easy and it definitely requires to invest time and resources, but good things happen to those who embrace these new indicators. If I have to submit one message to all of you here, that will be the following. Our world of traveler is changing rapidly. New audiences are arising, and their travel preferences are shaking everything we got to know or used to know about our business. And in many ways, they are requiring you to think out of the box in order to have a box in a few years. And this is exactly where I have good news for you, because if you will take advantage of this explosion 
of food, the obsession these young audiences have with food, and combine it with the easiness that technology can bring to the table, you can make these two elements your spearhead for a profitable tomorrow. Thank you very much, and may the mojo be with you. Michael, thank you. Yeah, please have uh, a seat in the hot seat. So, observers, would you take a bite out of Bite Mojo? <laughs> First of all, thank you, Michael, uh, for your presentation. It was wonderful. Thank you. Um, I want to ask you how you're going to, uh, how you plan on handling the in-market operations, any issues that may arise on the ground, um, and keeping the overall quality. Um, of the services you're delivering? Great, I think it's a great question. Uh, so yes, eventually you have two sides. You have the, the supply side, where you have to create enough experiences and also work with enough vendors and food uh, providers in the city. And you have how the experience is being transmitted to the end customer. So yes, in every city that we're working, and by now we're working in 12 cities, we have local partners, two operators, uh, different kinds of companies that works in the travel industry that have chosen to work with us in developing these experiences, and then also working with us to market it to the B2B uh, sector. So did you, did you initially start out as a direct-to-consumer idea, and, the, and you've now pivoted to a B2B approach? So basically, in our background, we own, uh, we're the biggest tour operator for food, for food experiences in Israel. So we know very well the operation that involves with guided experiences. So in Israel, we're directly focusing on B2C, but this is Israel. It was quite clear because this is our fourth venture, not our first, that targeting B2C from start is doomed to fail. But we have discovered that our technology serves very well all the other industry players because... Well, well so that's where I wanted to stop you for a second. So you say all the industry players, but if I'm in the business of selling experiences and managing experiences to add this on as an ancillary, sort of is confusing because it's a giant chunk of time that you know my customers are going to take doing your tours so is who exactly are you focusing on as a potential partner is it transportation players who can add so, this on as an ancillary good so we, we work with different type of partners we work and uh, with sightseeing companies so instead of taking the traditional hop on hop of bus you start any taking a bus and buy tour that incorporates in the same route that the bus is taking different bikes that you can hop off and hop on back on the bus. We are working with gigantic uh, educational travel operators that bring buses one after the other to cities that we are working in. And, in and in, you know, inside their 12 days of packed itinerary, they have like a window of three hours thinking a self-guided experience. So you're not just sending them off and telling them, let's meet in the bus in three hours. You're actually giving them a way to socialize without a guide, without intermediation, in a responsible uh, and uh, providing way. But what happens if someone shows up at a restaurant and the person is like a new employee and has no idea, w yeah. was not notified about the tour? I think this is a simple matter of operation. And then when we launch a tour, uh, like we, we launched New York uh, three months ago, so we first send beta testers, normal people, customers, friends, who can just validate the experience. And this is how the way we educate also the sellers and the employees about their relationship. So in, uh, uh, in traffic-based destinations, you don't see that. Everyone knows about it because the seller cares because they're getting paid quite nicely at the end of the month when we send them all the redemptions. 
Michael, you mentioned in your presentation partnering with attractions such as Observation Decks as well. So the quality answer is really important to us, but can you talk a little bit about the financial model that you would have in mind there? How would an Observation Deck and your product partner together to provide a co-branded experience? Absolutely. So let's take an Observation Desk. So you are showing people the town from a bird eye, right? But then they're going down the elevator and they walk out to the street and today, this is where your experience ends. But together with us, you can create a multi-layer experience. So they see the city from a bird eye, but then they walk out with your brand in their hand and going around and see the real magic in the small places, the small stalls, the content. That's create new line of experiences, to my belief. Uh, so I've got a question. First of all, watch out. They gave me this. You know, you get, you're the old guy on the panel when they give you a Red Bull to start off with. But um, listen, I love this idea. Um, you know, I've always kind of thought that when you get right down to it, a vacation is, um, you know, somewhere to stay, something to do, something to eat, right? And you've got two out of three. It's great. Um, but it's also true that different tour operators attract a different kind of customer for a different kind of experience, some very high-end, some a little more kind of arty. Do you adjust the content and the places you stop for different kinds of operators? Absolutely, absolutely. So in every city, we have a city on a budget, Berlin on a budget, uh, Barcelona on a budget that is aimed for the budget travelers. But we also had uh, a premium experience with the chef restaurants, uh, which we did together in cooperation with one of the cities we are working in. So they created a festival of food, and we have created an itinerary that takes you to the top five chef restaurants in that city. And that was definitely a premium, a premium experience. So we're not limited because eventually we're working on a bite unit, and we can very, be very flexible in how we play with it for different audiences at different prices. Yeah, just a little follow-up then. And so, so should tour operators think of this as sort of a, a replacement for a regularly scheduled meal, or is it a sort of a separate activity that you do in the afternoon? Also, great, that could be both. Okay. So if you would like to give them just a replacement of a dinner, which is not just sitting in one place and eating, but more like a hop-off bite around, we have it as inside our bite wallet. If you want to give them a more educational experience, we have it. If you want to have it like uh, gamification with groups that's running in town and the rewards, the trophy, our bites, we have it. So we know how to invent ourselves probably to every operator's needs. So can you go back to the, the economics? I think you were asking a question about, so if, if the observation deck um, did a deal with you, you know, how do the economics work? How, how does the customer experience work if, you know, if, if it's a support situation? Do they contact you? Do they contact the operator? Of course. And how, so, much, how much money is actually made and split here? Okay, so let's take this the example. So Nicola and I will speak and we'll try to imagine what would be the price point to create this core experience. So they have their own prices. We have prices that are varied on how many bytes are there, three, five, six, and uh, what is the nature of the bytes. And then we are developing an itinerary that is relevant for travelers who want to gain more from this uh, uh, observation deck in a way that it will be still 50% of market price. And basically, our, our uh, prices starts from 10 US dollars for a tour, including food. This, that sounds imaginary. I hope you believe. So we can, we can play with it. So the more content you packed in, the less customers just sensitive to the food, they're feeling that they're getting an experience. So we always find the matching price that creates value to the customer and to our partner. Hey, Michael, I just want to jump in with one quick question because there's been so much growth. Sorry. 
way over. Yeah, there's yeah. been so much growth in, in, I mean, food tour operating, culinary tourism has been one of the hottest sectors over the past 10 years. But everything I hear from food tour operators, part of the success is it's the story around the food. It's not just that you get a cheap bite. I mean, even if it's a great place and it's super delicious, but it's the story around the food that really has making this sector take off. How, how could I experience that story with a phone? I need a, don't I need, a, I need a live person, an expert, to bring those stories to life, don't I? Absolutely, so from, from, from beginning, we're telling stories through food. Food for us is the beacon that takes you from one place to the other, from one culinary hero, local culinary hero to the other. Now, if the owner is in the shop, in the store, definitely you have a direct interaction with him. And we're trying to find those who are not just creating good food and good service, but actually enlightening them part of the city's DNA. So the business model, by the way, is not that they're approaching us. It's not an advertising model. It's actually the contrary. We choose them based on exactly the factors that we want our travelers to have. So you have the ability to read about this place, about his background, about his passion for the city and his passion for the food. And he's, if he's in the store, then you have a direct interaction with him. Michael, you mentioned being fairly, um, uh, when you're in market, you're doing it with a limited number of people. So how, how do you develop itinerary and make sure your content is fresh and relevant if you've only got one person on the ground in any given market? Right, so we're creating everything from content to bites and, 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 all, and all the rest. So once we have given enough point of interest, content, and enough bites, then we are unlimited in the number of itineraries we can do. So I'll give you an example. Uh, when we launched Madrid, we did it with 300 people, a MICE event, 300 people at the same time, two hours. Imagine how would that be if you would have to do it with guides. But we've created 30 itineraries with only 15 sellers and 30 point of interest. And they, people just move from one end to the other without collation and making, you know, blocking places. That was the experience. This is how we cater up to 1,000 people a day. Just enough inventory and enough content in one technology. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Weiss, Spite Mojo. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next, welcome onto the stage someone with a vision or a new vision for how operators and attractions can distribute their content. Ladies and gentlemen, the founder and CEO of Magpie Travel, Christian Watts. Good morning, everyone. Like many of you, I've been to plenty of places like this. IPW, WTM, ITB, or dozens of other similar trade shows. Now, the reason as an operator why we go to these trade shows is just to find new resellers so we can sell more product. Now, I get really excited when we sit down and we have these meetings with resellers and we think about all the new customers we're going to get. But unfortunately, what happens after these trade shows looks a little bit like this. Now, I like spaghetti as much as the next person. But unfortunately, the way our industry deals with content, the way we deal with distributing that content to resellers, and the things that resellers have to go through to load our products so we can get them up for sale, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's what Magpie is all about. My name is Christian Watts, and I've been operating Hop On Up Off and other bus tours in San Francisco for over 20 years. Hard to believe, I know, but I, I have. I'm also an economist, 
And like most economists, what really annoys me is an inefficient market. Markets that look like spaghetti, where there's a lot of replicated work for no added value, shouldn't be allowed to happen. So a couple of years ago, I was at a trade show, actually, at W2M in London, and we had a full afternoon of meetings with resellers, new resellers. And all of them had the same story. We sat down and discussed it afterwards. They all had the same story. They all had the problem that they had a backlog of products to load up into their systems. We couldn't get the products uploaded quick enough. I soon realized that the next few months were going to be full of back and forth, emailing documents, answering emails, trying to get everything uploaded into their systems. I thought there had to be a better way. I, know that I knew that a new way would save my staff a ton of time and my company a lot of money. So Magpie is all about the content. So what is the content? It's all about the descriptions, the images, and the video that a consumer looks at on a website or an app when they're choosing which product to buy. So the content is everything before the book button. It's everything that a customer uses to decide whether or not to buy your product in the first place. What we don't do, and this is important, we don't do live availability and we don't do reservations. There are dozens, over 100 companies that have reservations platforms that deal with all of that stuff. So let's have a little look at how this problem works, what the problems are in the industry, and, and a demonstration of what we're looking at here. This is one of our friends at Fat Tire Bikes, one of their products on their own website. And the same product on Expedia, on Get Your Guide, on Kluke. And if you're trying to compare prices, don't bother. I use different currencies for each screenshot. And here we are on Amusement, and finally on TickMate. Now, I could go on forever. Like, uh, fat tires, like many of you, work with dozens, sometimes even hundreds of resellers. So the problem is that e sometimes the easiest part is to get the contract in the first place to work with the reseller. It's what happens after that where the problem really lies. So after these meetings, most resellers just say to us, listen, send us all your information. Send us in whatever format you have, if you have it in any format at all. Now, if you're lucky, if the reseller really wants to sell you a product, if you send it over in a really nice, clean format, and if they have lots of people sitting around with nothing else to do, your product might get loaded soonish. Unfortunately, most of the time, it's going to end up sitting on somebody's desk or sitting in somebody's desktop, waiting around to get that product loaded. Now, sorry, come back. <clears throat> now, the larger OTAs realized this wasn't scalable. They needed a software solution to deal with this problem. So what they came up with is the much-loved extranet. Now, the extranet is fine for us operators when there's one or two. But pretty soon, we're loading the same content onto OTA after OTA after OTA. This is just not sustainable. What the, what the Extranet did, it moved the burden of loading that content from the reseller to us as operators. It was fine when there was one or two or three. The Extranet is actually the right solution for the OTAs. It's just not the right solution for us operators. <clears throat> so what Magpie does, unfortunately, the solution to all these files flying around the world and the solution to too many Extranets, it's one more extranet. Difference being, 
Magpie is the only extranet you need. So Magpie talks to all of the other extranets. We also format, we also create a format of your product so we could send to all the resellers that don't have extranets. So it's very simple. You focus on writing great and accurate content once. You manage it in one single place. And then Magpie distributes, distributes the content from there. No more docs, no more Word docs, no more Dropbox. Simple solution, no more email attachments. I see some resellers sitting there thinking, oh, yes, but this doesn't work for us because we rewrite all of that content. Well, it's true. Some resellers do rewrite the short description, maybe the long description in their special voice for SEO purposes. But 95% of these fields are never rewritten. Think of things like minimum age, maximum height, departure location. These are identical no matter which reseller you are. So let's imagine you're at a trade show or a conference like this. You meet a reseller in a coffee break, and they want to sell your product. Next step is you need to get that reseller your content. With Magpie, you can do that on the spot. This is the Magpie page right here. You click the Share button at the top. Choose a new subject message, if you like. Pick a list of recipients, one or many. You could choose to send all of your products, one, two, or three. Click to preview the email and send, and it's gone. Reseller opens the nice, tidy inbox like every reseller has. Get a nice formatted list of products that we've sent them. They click on the list of products, lands onto Magpie. On Magpie now, they have a nice, clean, well-formatted page customized for their format. So they can take that information and put it into their system. If they need to, they can download it to various formats, which they can then upload to their system. Now, what did that take? That was less than a minute, everything done. The reseller now has this, has your product in their system in the exact format that they needed so they can get your products live. Ready? Time is up, ladies and gentlemen, Christian Watts. Christian, please take the, <laughs> take the high chair. Perfect timing. <laughs> Time is up. So, observation deck, it's over Root. to you. Oh, so Christian, thank you. We have lots of questions now. Um, uh, you focused a bit on um, talking about new resellers, new contracts, new um, relationships. Is that your primary focus, is looking at re operators that are establishing new relationships? Do you like what you hear on this podcast? If so, join us at an upcoming arrival event to hear from the brightest minds in travel, get hands-on learning to help advance your tour activity or attraction business, and partake in the best networking ever. Head to arrivalevent.com to register and to learn more. Most of ours are established. Our content's already there. So what value would your product bring to somebody that's not adding a multitude of new resellers? Well, if, if Douglas hadn't cut me off, you'd know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Douglas. <clears throat> no, that's a good question. So yes, I, I understand the question. And the next part of the presentation was about updates, notifications and updates. So our products change. Fires, government shutdown, things change constantly. We're always having to update these resellers so they can update their customers as to what's happening. Today in San Francisco, there's dozens of people dealing with what's happening, 
Wine Country Tours, Muir Woods Tours, are they operating or not? So that's a key part of it for people who already work with these resellers. And you work directly with the, um, so, there's a, so basically it's channel manager for content, which I think makes a tons of sense. And I, I think the slide flipped by that you do it on a subscription basis, right? $99 a month? Correct. Which totally makes sense to me too. Um, how do you work with the folks who are doing the same kind of upload though for rates and availability? Because I mean, you can put the content up that sort of suggests opening hours, but how does that sync up with the, um, the different booking platforms? Yeah, so it's, it's difficult. We've really had to decide where to draw the line. These reservations platforms, and there's a lot of them, and they do a really great, great job of that live availability. So we've had to draw the line on just the content. And we, we've just decided that less than anything to do with live content, we're not going to touch. So unfortunately, I think of it in API terms. So there's APIs for availability and reservations, and we are the content API which you don't need to grab live on the site as your people are shopping around. It can up be updated once a night or once a week. So we, we, we just don't do that live inventory check. Does that answer? Uh, it, it, it does. And I just, okay. I'll do a follow-up since I've, yeah. I've got the floor, as it were. Um, actually, by the way, I love the idea that some tours have a maximum height. We'll have to talk about that later. I could, I could go <laughs> into this for hours of all these settings, believe me. Uh, the other thing I'm curious about is um, some tour operators, I think, when, you're, when you've gotten experience, you actually want to present yourself a little differently in different platforms. It might be a different photo. I agree, maybe people don't rewrite the description so much. But I think the photos are, are quite different depending on the audience. How do, you, mm -hmm. how do you deal with that? So this is really coming up more recently with the photos, and I think it's started in the hotel business. Um, what, we're not sure exactly how we're going to solve this. We still need feedback on the photos. But I think we're going to end up with a pool of photos per operator. And then maybe the OTA is going to come in and grab specific photos that they need and reserve them kind of for themselves. We can also tag the photos for specific, for specific resellers if we need to. It's kind of nice because we have the hotel industry to follow. And there's some big companies in that industry. There are. I'm not sure if we should be following them, but I'd like to know which <laughs> ones that we should or not. But it's, there's, there are some pathways we can follow for that. Um, what if there are some um, companies in your distribution channel that aren't interested in some of these products? If there's some resellers that aren't interested? Right. So you, you, so you could share specific products, or you could share them all. So you, you, could, you could set up so that they only sell one or two or three choices. If you then you set them up in Magpie, so, that, so Magpie knows which resellers are selling which products, if you mm -hmm. save that. If you then send in notifications, they're only going to get the notifications relevant to what they sell. But are you ensuring if I, for example, load 10 products that guaranteed all the resellers are selling all of my 10 products? So you could choose whether you want to share to all resellers or you can assign them to specific resellers. The way I look at it is like a Google Doc. You can, you can share with everyone. You can share with a specific person. Yeah. Or you can make it private and only send it if they have the link. But meaning they're going to OK it. The reseller is going to say, great, I want all, those, you know, all 10 products. Yeah. What, so I'm, I'm missing the last part of that. Meaning those resellers will say, yes, we want all these project, mm -hmm. products, all these, you know, whether it's two products from a company or 10 products. Yeah. Absolutely, they can, they can pick and choose. And so, so what we don't do is the actual contract. So you still need to do the contract with probably the pricing, and we're trying to stay out of that whole piece mm -hmm. because that does get more complicated, and we don't get, want to get in the way of legals and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Are you concerned, you know, I think about the, the sustainability of the business, right? And you're $99 a month, so that means to really have a sustainable business, you have to get to a place where you've got, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of customers. And, you know, in, a, in, what, in this incredibly fragmented industry where there's a lot of small operators, I could see, a, a, you know, a situation where 
you could suffer a great deal of churn, right? Because people could initially upload all their content, you would help them get it out there, and then if it's a fairly static operation, and at some point they're not really putting up new stuff that frequently. They're looking mm -hmm. at the $99 bill, they're going, we gotta cut this, and then you know, you're, you're sort of cut out and you see churn. How do you, how do you think about adding enough value over time to keep your customers? Great yeah, that, we've, we've talked about this a lot, and we, we do have a free version for those people that don't really need all these advanced tools. And the fragmented industry, we've, we've got, we, we call them the kayak guy, the person with one kayak that operates once a month, and then we have the Merlins of the world that have huge attraction parks. So we're trying to cater to all of them. We'd like to charge the kayak guy nothing or $99 a month. I hate to pick on Merlin, but we'd like to charge them $10,000 a month. <laughs> so what our job next is to add the value. There's a, lot, there's a lot of tools that we've thought about that we think we can add value for these people. For example? Things, yeah. Well, things, things like bots. So sending out bots every night to go and check on, on pricing, on images, to check on products being still valid. Um, I think there's a lot of places this can go where people are using humans right now to check on those products. So believe me, I've got a list this long and everyone keeps telling me to slow down and focus on that. And, and again, sort of articulate why you chose to separate price and availability. Because that's a mess. Um, <laughs> it's a mess and it's really complicated and price and availability to me have to link into your reservation system and reservation systems are really complicated and they get into the, into the core of the business and the operation. And I know these reservation companies really well, most of them, and they are really complicated. And as soon as we start delving into that, I think it's a slippery slope and we end up building a reservation system which I just don't want to do. Fair enough. And these guys are doing a great job and I want to work with all of them. So it's nice to have a nice clean place to sit where we can remain agnostic and work with everybody. You know, I think one of them, do, you, do, you, do you send over a pixel so that people can track some of the volume? Because as an yeah. operator, you know, you kind of know where your bookings come from, but you kind of want to know also, like, how often are people seeing, seeing my listing out on a, even if they're not booking through a platform? Can you do that? Well, we're not currently. Um, this came up yesterday. I think it's a great question. We, we'd love to do that. And for images as well, to track, those, to track those images and track conversion on that. But obviously, we need participation from the reseller. I'm sure the resellers would be happy to come along with us on that if it means our suppliers getting more, um, more good data. Yeah. We'll see. Interesting. So what about, you know, the um, barriers to, you know, other people doing the same thing? What about this is hard? So getting, getting people in the system, getting them onboarding is hard. So we've focused the last six months on building the tools to get people onboarded quickly. Because like I said in the presentation, it is another extra net and people are rolling their eyes thinking, oh, I can't even look at this right now. So we have some import tools to get all of your products imported really quickly with a, with a few clicks, which gives you, it doesn't get everything, but it gets you a good starting point to complete that. And then, and then we think once you start sharing and once you start using the system, we get the traction. But that's, that's our next target. We've only been onboarding for six weeks, so we're just looking for a ton of feedback. We'd love feedback from any of you guys today. Uh, we're up in the, in the networking room in the Magpie Nest, so we want that feedback to learn what we need to build next so that you guys will hopefully use it. Ladies and gentlemen, Christian Watts, Magpie Travel. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Our next presenter has a new vision for touring via mobile gaming. Please welcome Alex Gavorianu, the founder and CEO of Questo. Morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to start off by telling you three different stories 
of some travelers who had some unexpected challenges um, around Europe this summer. First, meet Adrit. This brave kid, he was exploring Utrecht, a very small town in the Netherlands, together with his family, when he got caught up in the chase of a murderer. The kid was brave enough to actually become a key factor in finding that murderer. Then, this is Angela. She and her friend were visiting Fontana di Trevi when all of a sudden they got involved in the kidnapping of four high officials. The ladies didn't step down, and they helped rescue those officials. Now, this is Caroline. Caroline didn't catch any criminals, but she did catch a love bug while she was exploring Montmartre in Paris when she met this Parisian gentleman who was suffering because she was, he was disconnected by his love, from his love. And so Caroline helped him find her. Now, all these three people, they have something in common, and that is Questo, a mobile app for city exploration games where you play the role of a character with a mission. So Adrit, he was actually a knight in medieval Europe, uh, saving the city from a dragon. Angela, she was playing as Tom Hanks in the movie Angels and Demons in Rome, and she was to save the cardinals which got kidnapped by the Illuminati. And Caroline, she was actually the love the Parisian gentleman was looking for. But how does it work? Well, you first have to download the app, and then choose the quest you want to play. Pay for it, and then you will be immediately directed to the starting point. Let's take the example of the Haunted Rome quest. Here you play the role of a person who never believed in ghosts, but now you are one. So you are there in the piazza. Your first clue implies you to find a hidden number. When you find it, you type it in the app as the correct answer, and then, bam, you get to meet two people. These are two ghosts who will discuss with you, tell you their stories. And from then on, you get another story and another clue until the end. Now, all of our quests, they require proper storytelling, and that's why they are being created by people like Will, who are very good at writing and who know their city very well. And these individuals, they also get a revenue share of 20% for every quest that we sell together. As of today, we are available in 50 cities, and we have more than 120 unique quests. And by, by, by today, we were played by more than 50,000 people who played and finished a quest while walking more than 150,000 kilometers. This is enough to circle the Earth three times. Um, but why do they play? Why do users pick Questo? Well, for starters, it's because it's immensely fun. Along a quest, you run, you get scared, you laugh, and you learn a lot, and that's memorable. Actually, 90% of our users, they want to do another quest immediately after playing the first one. Our challenge, just create more quests. Then it's budget-friendly. On average, a quest costs $10. If you compare it with a regular tour guide in London, for a couple, that's 10 times cheaper. Then it's flexible. All of our quests are available every day of the year, and most of them are available every time of day. That means that you can start and stop whenever you want. If you get tired, if you get hungry, you can just pause and continue later. And that's huge for travelers. Last, it's private. You're a couple, a family, or a small group. You can just explore on your own without a guide. Just solve the clues, read the stories, and then if you need help, just contact our chat support, which is available 24-7. By now, you're probably asking, OK, this might be cool, but how is it helping me grow my business? Well. We are here because we want to invite you to join us in transforming every city into a game. 
you guys can create your own experiences. You know your cities best. You know the places best. And such as Eve does in Strasbourg at the moment, Eve is a tour operator there of Segways. And he just contacted us for creating his own quests. And why does he want to do this? Well, as I said, he knows the city better than anyone. And for him, it's just a one-time effort to create a quest using our dedicated platform, the Creator's Room, where he has all the steps, all the guidelines for creating a quest. And in two weeks, on average, he can have a new product, which he can sell to his audience, but also to a new audience. 50% of people, they don't book a tour for various reasons. Not flexible, they want to explore by themselves, or it's not affordable. Now, you can target that audience, too. If you don't want to create quests, you can become a partner of ours and maybe sell it to your own customers. We offer unlimited capacity. So let's say you have 10,000 people now in Rome who want to do something today. You can just send them to Questo. For us, it's the same if it's 5, 10, or 10,000. Then we offer verified quality. We test and review every quest so you know what you're offering. And also, we are one point of contact. So if you have a multi-city destinations um, operation, you can just talk to us. The story of Questo is quite new. We are just starting. By next year, we want to become available in 100 cities. Travel is changing quite fast. The tourism activities market is changing quite fast. And that is because the travelers of tomorrow, they grew up with video games, with mobile phones, with internet, with instant gratification. They want personalized and immersive experiences. And here is where we come in creating those experiences. And your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to create those experiences with us. Thank you. And please feel free to contact me if you want to work together. Thank you, Alex. So, our observers, are you up for a quest? <laughs> so, I'm not sure I completely understand the business, right? I, I understand the experience, but I don't think I understand the business because your, your content creators are fragmented and out there, and, you know, individuals in different cities across the world. You want Segway operators and others to sort of adopt some of those quests or create their own quests using what? I mean, what, what technology have you created? What, 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 unique, what do you do that's unique here? I'm so sure what that. we have done first, uh, we started working on Questo two years ago. And up until last year, we understood what is the recipe behind a quest. And once we had that, we started working on the Creator's Room, which is a website where everyone in the world can just log in and see our guidelines on how to build a quest, how long should it be, how stories should look like, all sorts of types of clues that they can use. And once they create a quest, it takes on average two weeks, as I said, they can sell it on our platform. And if they have their own channels, they can sell it there as well. Because we don't sell only on our own website and app. We also sell on OTA, such as Get Your Guide and TripAdvisor, where people just book us as an alternative to a walking tour. But so you're saying that the, that the, the tech that you have created for publishing these quests is unique and defendable. That's your core business. Yes, our core business is the knowledge that we have in terms of how to create a memorable experience, a quest. So my, my last question, have you been testing this in the White House? In the White House, and what do you in, mean? In Ukraine, <laughs> I mean, the, this idea of sort of fantasy quests for things, I just Not yet. sounds so familiar. <laughs> no. No, okay, I just wanted to ver yeah. verify that. Um, what is kind of the end goal, like what happens at the end of the game uh, do people win points or what Yes, happens? so we are completely gamified and we are getting more and more gamified. Uh, you have a leaderboard there. You can become 
um, I don't know, the best explorer or a particular quest, but also per city, also per country, also in general. People are after points. They get also badges and achievements and all sorts of that. For every quest that you book, you also get three invites. So that means that you can play together with your friends, and by this we get viral loops and virality and so on. So I love this idea. I got to say, it seems very on trend to me. It's sort of like escape room meets Pokemon, mm. you know. Sort of. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I'm sort of wondering, do people? Um, I mean, I suppose you, you know, you've got some people have been using it. Do people want to want to do quest complete quests in different cities? Do they want to yes. do? Do people do a bunch of quests in one city? That's our main challenge now. As I said. Um, 90% they want to do a second quest. Um, our main goal now is to have a larger distribution as possible. For instance, this Saturday, we launched a new quest in Bucharest. We had 2,100 people playing in one night. Because what we also do is we convert locals into travelers and vice versa. So if they come and book us from Get Your Guide, and go to Rome as a traveler, then they will say, oh, I want to play this in my hometown in New York. And if they are locals and they play it in Bucharest, they say, oh, but I'm going to use this when I'm going to Rome or when I'm going to Paris. Because it's, it's a fun activity to do it, either you're a local or a tourist. And just, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Eric, please. No. I just asked one, you asked. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're really proud of your quality, and I'm wondering when you're using freelance and outsourced content developers, how are you maintaining that quality and really understanding the product you're delivering to the end user? Um, the good thing about Questor is that every quest that is being launched is a living animal who's getting smarter through time. So what we do is once the quest is ready to test, we send people to test it for free. And we track all sorts of KPIs. So for instance, if the creator says that from point A to point B, the user would solve it in two minutes, but we see in our system that it takes 30 minutes, then that clue is wrong. So he has to redo it. And then we launch it, and we track all sorts of feedback from users, and the quiz just gets better. Because people tell us, this story is boring, this place is not good, this clue is not challenging. So every quest just gets better and better. And it was just a one-time effort at the beginning, and then, bam. You have a product that's smarter and smarter. So now we have 120 products that get better and better through time. And can I just ask a question about sort of the tech and the experience? So one of my great, you know, sort of fantasy visions is that in the future we're going to be walking around and have the sort of the, the you know, uh, AI in the sky, knowing where we are, knowing what we like, telling us something interesting. So are you using sort of geolocation to sort of trigger the clues, or is it more when you get to a place people are still doing it by hand? Just wondering how, how far advanced It's so simple, and we keep it simple. So what we do is we just validate the answer to the location. So if the user has found that hidden number in the square in Rome, we know that he couldn't have found it otherwise than just being there. So we don't take your location, and that's for a very important reason. People, our users are travelers, and they are very sensitive to battery, to data, and because of this, we don't want to track their location anytime, because it's like a pyramid of needs of Maslow. First, it has to be easy to use. You have to have it on your phones, yeah. And so if I'm an operator and I want to build my own quest, what I can do is I can put things in place and I don't have to worry too much about, you know, what's the sort of the, the, the data pull on the phone and so forth. Um, can I customize them? Um, do I have to have one quest that everybody goes through? Or can I have several different quests? And can I kind of tweak you, them depending on that, say, day of the uh, week when You can do that. Yes, you can do that. And from next year onwards, we will be launching multi-scenario quests. I assume you probably, most of you have seen Bandersnatch on Netflix. At the moment, 
all of our quests are linear. That means that they take you from point A to point B. But what we are going to do from next year, you'll be at, let's say, point three, and we ask you, you want to go that way or that way? You are Sherlock Holmes. You think the murderer is there or there? And you go there, pill, blue pill. and you choose right. your own adventure, basically, because people ask us to do all sorts of improvements. And what, what are your plans for getting to 100 companies in the next year? 200 companies? Two, or you mentioned 100 companies. I, I mentioned 100 cities. That's, that's um, 100 uh, where cities, we want to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what we did now is we just finished working on the creators room. We are now publicly launching it, making it available for everyone. We started working with amateur storytellers because it's very easy to find them. We just go on LinkedIn, and if you want to launch in Glasgow, we just look for amateur storytellers there and tell them about this. And they want to make an extra um, passive income, basically, for them. But now we also want to work with tour operators because you guys know cities best. And for you, it's easy. And as Evin Trasburg came to us, he said, dude, for me, it's low season now until April. I have nothing to do, and I have all this content and I want to make money out of it. So. so are the tour operators that you want to work with, are they bringing the content to the table, or are they bringing the customers to the table? Uh, they are bringing first the content, but some of them have very strong sales channels as well. So they can sell through that. So one of the things that's really fun about escape rooms, I mean, assuming you, you know, escape rooms, you know, it's really fun to work with another group of people to kind of solve these pretty tricky puzzles. And this feels like a puzzle that you're solving. But do people do these by themselves, or is that always a group activity? How does, how does that work? Because you know, a lot of solo travelers want, want an interesting thing to do in a city. Uh, interestingly enough, we are not used by solo travelers. Very, very few are solo travelers. And when we started doing this, we thought we are going to be relevant for the audience of like 20 years old. The average age is 35 of our users. Uh, the main target group is couples, and maybe two couples together exploring a city. Then would be families. 20 to 25% are families going together. And then you have other sorts of uh, larger groups and so on, groups of friends. But they do it together, they compete, it depends on them. Great. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Gavorianu of Questo. Thank you. So, so now, so I'd like you all to pull out your phones, uh, open the app, go to Interact, and select the Arrival Theater. We're going to ask all of you to rate our presenters. One star, two star, five stars? You choose. Mm -hmm. So while our audience is, uh, is voting, so I'd like to ask our observers. And so, Georgette, I'd like to start with you. So as our tour operator uh, on our uh, observ observation deck, have you thought about uh, creating self-guided kind of mobile, you know, mobile tours? What's your, your view of that? Could that kind of cannibalize your, your business, or is it something that could expand your market? What's, what's your thinking around that trend, or is it, is it not a trend? Absolutely. I think it's an enhancement. We've definitely thought about it. It's a way of um, upselling to our existing customers, so it's not cannibalizing what we already have. Um, we've actually thought about creating um, tours on apps where in areas we don't normally go, because there's just too much of New York City or Boston that we're not covering so many movie locations, and uh, we think it's a great, a great tool. Yeah. Either of these models, say the Questo, or between Questo or Byte Mojo, did one, uh, I mean, obviously you do movie tours as opposed to, to food tours, but just in terms of the principle. So you could, for example, create a, a tour around, say, New York City, where you would have certain tokens or experiences at, say, each particular location. So how, how would you, you think about that? 
Um, I would think Questo is more along our model or something that would be good as an enhancement. I loved uh, Bite Mojo, but the the idea of food makes me very nervous. Um, I mean, not eating it, no, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, just the idea of the operation side of it makes me a little nervous. So I think uh, Questo would be something more along the lines of what we would be implementing. Great. So can we, do we have the results from our poll up on, uh, up on the screen? Can we post them? <laughs> okay. So we have... Looks like Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Questo comes out slightly on top with 4.2. Uh, so, observers, what's your, what's your reaction? If you had a kind of a choice, who would you rate the highest? Maybe, Eric, I'll start with you. Who would I rate the highest? No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I, I, um, you know what? I, so I, um, I guess I believe that people go traveling because they're telling themselves a story about themselves. And going on an adventure is, is just that. And so... Um, I think what you've got here is a sort of an interesting mix between Bite Mojo and Questo of uh, sort of stories that are going to be uh, set out for you that you become a part of. And so I have to say, Bite Mojo and Questo feel obviously they're, they're different, but they feel sort of similar to me in sort of helping people explore their narrative. So I'd sort of say those two are sort of a tie in the you know, consumer experience category. Um, Magpie is obviously a completely different kind of experience, so it doesn't really seem fair to, to try to choose. How's that for a waffle? That was so well deflected. <laughs> that, impressed, that, Eric. That's that okay. Was awesome. You're not the first person to waffle on my stage, so <laughs> fine. Uh, so, Nicole, uh, I'd like, what is your take on, on Magpie from a content uh, distribution perspective? I mean, this is a widespread kind of challenge of managing all of those distribution channels. What was your reaction to that platform? Yeah, you know, it is, although I thought Chris made a really relevant point in, in sort of the initial value and then the go-forward added value. I'd love to talk to Christian more about that because the content loading is a piece of it, but where our time is most consumed is checking pricing and parity and listing and understanding where our rankings are on our resellers. And that's the piece that I think he alluded to that we'd love to learn more about because that's where I think we see go-forward value. And my last question uh, for our observers, so Chris, for you, I mean, you're an investor of, of many years, uh, so you have a really good sense of, you know, what business is going to fly and, and what isn't. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of want to ask you to, to choose, but like, if you, would, if you would place a bet on any of these three, would you? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, for me, Magpie is, is um, interesting because I think as as the, this market sort of moves from its historically analog reality to more of a digital reality and everything that that means, it seems that there is going to be a need for players that, that, that operate and offer tools for suppliers. Um, and you know, that's why we're an investor in Redeem, right? We, we really see that opportunity as a, as a channel manager uh, and all the value add that can come from that. And I think that Magpie is making a really interesting play. But for me, it would be more about the beachhead. If they can use that content management place to then you know, establish a great position to then start to add more and more value because the unit economics would need to expand, I think, from that, from that start point. I, I do like the food tour business, though, a, a lot, too. It's just that you know, we tend to not, to not invest in consumer deals too, too often. Um, and, and, and I think it's really interesting. I mean, I know that's a, it's a really hot category and, and, and it's, um, it seems like these guys have figured out how to do it it's at some scale, which is pretty interesting. I'd love to learn more about that. And then Questo, I just don't have my mind around it. I just don't know how it, it feels cool, but I don't, 
you know, I don't see the sustainable business model there yet. Well, okay, it seems that there's some folks in the audience who, uh, who might disagree. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for voting. Our panelists, Eric, Georgette, Chris, Nicole, thank you all. Are you interested in being a part of the arrival community of tours, activities, attractions, events, and experiences? Then join us at one of our events in the U.S., Europe, or Asia-Pacific. Head to ArrivalEvent.com to learn more.